My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, and that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and for the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. Throughout the history of the Church, the role of Mary and of Saint Joseph as well has been to help us uh, understand and appreciate and perhaps most importantly experience just how close Jesus is. And we're praying about this now because it's not so much an intellectual issue. I can read the first Christological councils and kind of do the intellectual exercise to understand the hypostatic union and the humanity and of Jesus, the divine nature, the one person. We can review the formulas of faith, and we should, because they are the, the bedrock and the foundation of our faith. Well, the bedrock and foundation is actually the actual person that those creeds point to, and that's the point. In our prayer today, joining ourselves uh, to uh, the intercession of St. Joseph, we want to try to appreciate a little bit more, precisely considering St. Joseph and his relationship with Jesus, how close God wants us to be with him in the person of Jesus. And I don't know if this is a helpful image or not, but I, it just came to mind thinking about this, the concept that we have of personal space. I remember in college with two fellows that I knew from Sicily and discovering that they had no such concept. That, that for them to literally be talking like a centimeter away from my face was perfectly comfortable and normal, whereas I felt like I was about to jump out of my skin, you know, kind of constantly backpedaling and stepping back and kind of needing that buffer zone of, you know, you're there, I'm here, and now we can talk. And I say, I don't know if that's a very helpful image because <laughs> maybe we still, I still need that. No? And fair enough. Um, but is my relationship with Jesus, is it growing in such a way that the normalness, the closeness, the spontaneity of his physical human presence is something that I find reassuring, a source of peace, something that I seek and feel myself in the presence of Jesus. There's a very old prayer that priests are recommended to pray before the celebration of the Mass, a prayer of intercession to Saint Joseph. And it begins by singing how blessed Joseph is. O happy man, O blessed Joseph, who was given by God something that many kings wished to see and did not see, to hear and did not hear. But not only did you see and hear, you were also able to carry, to kiss, to dress, and to care for. This extraordinary consideration that not only was Joseph able to see and to hear the promised one, the Messiah, but he carried him, and he dressed him, and he kissed him, and he cared for him, and he fed him, Day in and day out, he experienced his life and the purpose of that life in the presence of this person, 
Jesus. And maybe the first point we could try to consider as we gently try to nudge ourselves into that position, into that sort of closeness with Jesus, is to accept in all humility that that is the kind of relationship that Jesus wants to have with me. And I say to accept it in all humility because there is a subtle pride that we don't normally recognize as pride that makes us feel unworthy, out of place, awkwardly uh, not really belonging in that kind of closeness with Jesus. And here, maybe, I'm just kind of making this up as I say it now, St. Joseph could be a kind of patron saint for overcoming that awkwardness with Jesus. A patron saint because St. Joseph, unlike Mary, was not immaculately conceived. He lived with Mary and with Jesus. And he was a sinner like us. St. Joseph surely felt the weight of his own inadequacy. Yes, he is St. Joseph, one of the greatest saints in the history of the church, but that didn't mean that somehow he lived an enchanted life. And the various moments of Joseph's life, when we can imagine him having to, you know, waking from the dream, telling him this amazing news, making his way through Bethlehem and trying to find a place for Mary to give birth, and the frustration and the anger and the hurt of not being able to find a place, the humiliation of all of that. Surely in those moments in particular, Joseph struggled with a particular sense of inadequacy, of not being up to what God was asking of him. Well, not even what God was asking of him, but was immediately necessary in the moment. He didn't have to make some sort of uh, kind of theological consideration about it. He was just not able to provide what any normal husband and father would have wanted to provide. And yet, in the middle of all of that, Joseph allowed himself to be loved by Mary. He allowed himself to accept that Jesus was his son. And that he had a role to play. How often for you and I, this can be quite challenging. And there's different ways, depending on our, our, our temperament and our personality, that, that we can subtly resist that kind of humble acceptance. Maybe we prefer to be responsible. That's a very common way. It's a more comfortable way to relate to God and, and to his love for us. I'm, I'm going to do what's expected of me. I'm going to responsibly and, and eagerly uh, try to get things right and work hard and not let anybody down. I'm going to drive myself to make sure that people aren't disappointed with me because if they're not disappointed, well, then I can feel much more confident. But of course, to the degree that anyone relies on that sort of strategy, to that degree they're tired, to that degree they feel constricted, and perhaps worst of all, to that degree uh, the heart becomes a little bit anesthetized, a little bit kept in a drawer. 
Whereas if we follow and allow ourselves to be helped by the example of St. Joseph, and in all humility saying, Lord, I cannot believe that you love me to such a degree, but yet I believe. I'm willing to accept it. I'm willing to accept that you uh, seek to be with me because you enjoy being with me. Because you want uh, to be present in my life so that it become an instrument, a place of encounter for other people with who you are and the way that you want to reconcile them to yourself. Lord, I'm willing in all humility to accept that. And as we're trying to pray, his prayer is always the case. Prayer is not just our head. Prayer is also our heart. And it's that emotional exercise, if you like, when I talk about the heart, that opening up of the affections. That's where we, perhaps most of all, especially in these times of, of, of mental prayer, personal prayer, need to allow the Holy Spirit to come in and to shape us. This beautiful image of the Old Testament of the prophets as God as potter and us being the clay in his hands. And to draw close to the humanity of Christ, to accept as Joseph accepted, that, that he wants us to constantly open up and to be more ourselves and, and to not hide and recoil because of our own sense of inadequacy and sinfulness and just dirtiness even uh, because of our pettiness and these sorts of things. To not recoil, but to actually come running to him as so many people in the New Testament did. Bartimaeus, the woman with the internal bleeding, the people who were blind, the lepers. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And they, they wanted Jesus to touch him, touch them. That's the kind of reaction that Jesus wants us to have in Perhaps we, we could benefit greatly today by asking St. Joseph, Joseph, help me have that kind of <clears throat> audacity, that kind of spontaneity, um, that kind of simplicity that you had. You know, that, that Joseph wasn't kind of like there were Mary and Joseph at the table and they were having dinner and he went and sat outside, you know? Kind of when they finished, can I come in now? And Are you guys done? And... You know, I don't want to interrupt. I don't belong here. Um, no, he went and he sat down and he enjoyed and he would laugh and he would enjoy the conversation and the people. And, and we can, I think, very helpfully allow our imagination to run wild, uh, recreating some of those scenes as a helpful way of allowing ourselves bit by bit or perhaps quite quickly, depending on how the Holy Spirit leads us, to confidently enter into them. Lord, give us your grace to be drawn and attracted by the extraordinary beauty that in a, in a certain way you need us. You need us. Now, without going on a kind of theological uh, tangent, there is a way, of course, in which God does not need us at all, by definition. He is perfect being. He is infinite. He is all-powerful. 
He is complete goodness. The fact that you and I exist does not add anything to his being in that way. And yet, at the same time, by having, cho having chosen to become man, having chosen to become man so that you and I might be united to him and to one another in his eternal present, by committing himself in that way, God has freely chosen to not want to live without us. And just to consider what it means that God has chosen to not want to live without you. How he opens himself up in that way. In other words, by having committed himself to say, I am going to, with all of my being, with all of my divine love, I turn it towards you because I don't want my divine life to not have you present. To just consider the way that, that God, if you like, makes himself vulnerable. And the vulnerability consists in the fact that he has also created us free. The only way he can achieve that divine will is if we say yes. And to the degree that we say yes. So if we just continue that a little bit further, to accept again, in humility, that our no's to God do not kind of uh, cause in him a reaction of, oh, well, well, well she said no. Well, I've, I've got more. You know, there's billions more people, so I, I'm fine. God's salvific desire is not kind of en masse. It's not for the blob of humanity. His salvific desire is personal. I have called you by name. I have known you from the womb. As you were knitted together and created in your mother's womb, I knew you and I called you. You are mine. That's God's salvific desire and that's why it's essentially vocational. Calling us. And if we consider this and, and allow the Holy Spirit to help us in certain ways, it's not to, to overwhelm us, you know, and again, I think especially with some of these, these uh, theological truths that, that taken seriously are literally mind-blowing. Well, the, the purpose of blowing our minds a little bit is not so that we go through our day kind of staggering around and kind of existential contemplation of these eternal truths, because that's just not the life that God wants us to have. It's, I don't think it's emotionally sustainable either. Um, but so that precisely in the day-to-day, -day, the, the unextraordinary, the going from here to there with a small headache and kind of wishing that we didn't have to, all of those very familiar experiences that somehow under the surface or perhaps without our even realizing it, become experiences of communion, of union, that literally this friend, literally this Father, literally the Holy Spirit is with us precisely in those moments because he wants to be. Therefore, if he wants to be, if he's seeking me with that salvific desire, when I try the best that I can 
that matters. And I emphasize there the best that I can because uh, nor do we want to, these considerations to kind of saddle us with this uh, exaggerated sense of responsibility. You know, that, that if everything that I do matters to God, well then, oh, kind of I'm always on, you know, kind of I'm always having to perform. And that's precisely not the point, precisely the point of considering St. Joseph in his day-to-day -day life with Jesus. What did Jesus want of Joseph? He wanted what any son wants of his father, is to be with him, to enjoy his presence, to, to have the possibility of living with him. That's all we ask in love. That's all we ask in those sorts of relationships. Yes, it's true that in our work, and especially in our work of uh, reconciling other people to God, of, of evangelization, of being apostles and in the middle of our work and our circumstances, God is giving us a definite calling. He is asking us, yes, I want you to do more. Do not be afraid to be more generous. But do more and do not be afraid to be more generous because you're responding to the joy that comes from being able to uh, enjoy my presence in my life with you. Like any father, Joseph would have found his motivation in Jesus and Mary. And precisely, you know, for us, I mean, maybe not necessarily in terms of as a father, but this idea of finding in Jesus and Mary a motivation, um, that that's, and again, this is why prayer and contemplation and the example of Joseph is so important, that that not be for us propositional knowledge. I know that Jesus and Mary should be the reason for what I do. But more knowledge of the heart, of, of a living heart. You know, St. Josemaria, our father, you had this many times in some of his meditations. You say, my mother never had to make a resolution to love me. My parents didn't have to sit down and say, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to care about this child. It just did. It, it, it was natural. It was, it was something that came out of us. Now, of course, for us, we have that interplay of, of that there is a way in which we want to, to be more generous with God and do things for him, but there is, we have to struggle against our, our laziness, our, our, our vanity, our, our fear, our insecurities. So there is that interplay between the, the desire of the heart and also the weakness that we have to struggle against. But let's align ourselves with the desire of the heart, which is much more powerful and a greater drive than we normally realize. Basically, and this is kind of where I keep just circling around in, in, this, in this meditation, and I think really the only idea that I wanted us to try to consider this morning is that our life of prayer to such a large degree, needs to be growing in this ability to enjoy being with Jesus in the way that Joseph was. Am, am I able to uh, be with, with, with Jesus in his presence? Not feeling that, for example, I'm being kind of giving a performance review. 
okay, so how have you done this past week? Were you productive for me? Were you the person that I expect you to be? Um, were you uh, successful in your dealings with other people? You know, the typical thing that happens in large companies, you know, performance review. I don't think Jesus ever gave Joseph a performance review. I, I don't think he would have sat down and kind of <coughs> quizzed him of you know, how he had been doing and the work in Nazareth, how the shop was going. It was something closer than that. At the same time, the same time, uh, it would be a completely distorted idea of Joseph of just kind of, you know, happily kicking his feet up on the table in the house in Nazareth and, and just kind of, I don't know, just being in a kind of a perpetual siesta as he just enjoyed being in the presence of Mary and Jesus. Um, he got to work. He was generous. He sacrificed. In his homily about, precisely about St. Joseph, our father makes the following consideration. He says, Joseph is surprised and astonished. And here he's speaking about the, the, the different ways in which God spoke to him in dreams. And our father continues, God gradually reveals his plans to him, and Joseph tries to understand them. As with every soul who wishes to follow Jesus closely, he soon discovers that there is no lazy pace, no room for the half-hearted. For God is not content with our achieving a certain level and staying there. He doesn't want us to rest on our laurels. God always asks more. His ways are not the ways of men. And then he draws this very striking conclusion. He says, St. Joseph, more than anyone else before or since, learned from Jesus to be alert to recognize God's wonders, to have his mind and his heart awake. This ability to enjoy being in Jesus' presence, to feel at home, to experience the ordinariness of it, taught Joseph, he learned from Jesus, this ability to recognize God's wonders to give thanks for natural beauty, the marvels that happen in people's lives, the fact that God is active and awake in the world, that he hasn't retreated, he hasn't abandoned his people, but he is trying to draw them close. That's, those are God's wonders. For you and for me to see how grace works in souls, the healing of the sacrament of confession, the way that people uh, awaken to the possibility of a renewed faith, the nobility and the power of suffering and patience and grief, all of these sorts of things. St. Joseph learned from Jesus how to wonder these, at these things. And we want to do the same. Our life of prayer, our interior life, needs to be awakening us in us this sensitivity to have his, his mind and his heart Awake. Lord, are my mind and my heart awake? And if they are, I will get hurt. I will experience a discomfort. I will experience a certain sense 
of not being perfectly in control. Which is, of course, one of the reasons why we resist a little bit having our mind and our heart awake. Why it can be preferable to find refuge in responsibility. Why it can be more attractive to just keep our head down and work away. This is, in a sense, the attraction of superficiality. And even though everyone talks about the desire for meaning, everyone talks about wanting to have purpose in life, the fact of the matter is, is that for a lot of people, silence is a very uncomfortable place to be. Because in practice, it's not obvious a lot of times that having my heart and my mind awake is a great thing. But in grace, if I turn to God, and here today we're asking for the intercession of St. Joseph. Joseph, help me to not be afraid to really live the life that I have been given with my mind and my heart awake. Another area that we can very uh, fruitfully spend a lot of time considering is Joseph's relationship to Mary. The friendship that he would have had with Mary. A friendship often expressed in his desire to listen to her. Surely Joseph was an extraordinary listener. In the gospel, he never speaks. He listens. And how that would have been for Mary a source of joy and of consolation. To be able to share the ordinary occurrences of the day. To be able to share the stories that she had heard from the other people in the village, from her cousins, from her, her sisters, from her what was still happening with her parents when they were still alive. All of these things to share that with Joseph. Friendship. And how Jesus would have looked forward, excuse me, Joseph would have looked forward to those conversations. And if we consider that, if we try again to gently kind of nudge ourselves into that place alongside of Joseph, we too can be taught by him this ability to, yes, enjoy being in Mary's presence, but also to, to support her. Again, it sounds maybe a bit presumptuous for me to think, well, I'm supporting Mary in some sort of way. But what we're doing in saying that is just taking her humanity seriously. It's pretty much impossible to have a genuine human relationship where I'm not at all needed. In order for there to be friendship, there needs to be some sort of two-way street. If my relationship with Mary is just to receive grace, but not to be able to open myself up to her, well, I still have a ways to go. And that's what Joseph, uh, Joseph can help us understand, how to have that friendship with Mary, how to sacrifice for Mary in his work, to find that, that, that motivation to not stop too soon, to dig a little bit deeper, to accept the sacrifices and the difficulties and the setbacks, not as something that I have to complain about or feel myself a victim. But Joseph, like any noble person who was in love, would almost relish the ability to sacrifice and to give himself for Mary. And of course, for Jesus as well. 
In a way, this is the kind of nobility of heart, the greatness of heart, that right now, as, as we maybe consider in our prayer, we feel ourselves very, very far from being able to claim as our own. But nevertheless, we want it. Lord, I want to have a heart that is more noble, that has a greater capacity to give and to receive, that is purer in its generosity, that's simpler and more human, that's not judgmental, that's not rigid or encorseted or, or over-concerned. Lord, I want to have a heart that is spontaneous, warm and alive. St. Joseph, intercede for me. St. Joseph, intercede for us so that we might grow in this capacity and that be able to communicate this to other people through our friendship, through our conversation, uh, through the way that we react and to their difficulties and challenges and accompany them in them. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations you communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help to put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.